Well, welcome back. Here we are once again for another exciting episode of Backwoods Theology. I hope you are having a wonderful day. Um, I know uh, myself and my friends here. We have Brother Wiley with us again. Hello. And we have Brother Colburn with us again. And um, we get a thumbs up from him. But he is here. But no, I am excited uh, for this new season. Um, We have, or they have... um, chosen me. I've been voluntarily chosen to be the new voice for season two. So if you missed last time, last week's episode, um, we are in, embarking on a new journey this season. We're shaking things up. We are, <laughs> yes. And one way in which we're doing it is we're actually, from what I gather, we're going to kind of walk through a book of the scriptures. Versus last time it was some topics and we went here and there, but um, we are now we're going to go all over the place. I already know that, but I'm excited um, to to go on this journey with you. So I thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed, Chad, uh, make sure you have. I don't know if you have yet. I've subscribed and given us a five star. Okay, review. okay, so. New season, new. That's right. So thankful that he has now. Mm. But no, if you're, if you're, uh, uh, hey, you know what? Let me plug in this. I'm serious. If you know somebody that's looking for a good podcast and um, something to listen to, uh, I listen to several podcasts when I'm working, and uh, whether it be uh, a NASCAR, yep, there it is. I said it again. Mm. A NASCAR podcast. I listen to preaching, and um, I do listen to this one. There's a podcast I listen to on coin collecting. I mean, yeah, there's, see? there's podcasts for every, everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had, let me just say this, uh, recently, um, I had my cousin in North Carolina reached out to me, and or not, well, actually he wrote a post on Twitter about a subject matter that we covered last season in an episode, and I responded to him with a link to our podcast. And I said, we covered this in our podcast. And he said, oh, cool, I'll give it a listen. Well, days go by. He writes to me uh, a message, and he says, just so you know, I have caught up on every episode now of your podcast, and I have subscribed, and I absolutely love it. He said, you guys talk the scriptures, and you don't talk uh, your opinions. You know what I mean? You share directly from the Bible. You, you I think his exact words were you cover deeper things that some people don't want to cover. And um, so I'm thankful, you know, and he's in North Carolina, Raleigh. And um, so so we're reaching North Carolina now. Mm. We have some subscribers in Ohio. Um, Mainers obviously subscribe. So thank you for listening. Thank you. And uh, get the word out. I kind of like it. But like Brother Wiley has said in the past, if we had – zero listeners, we would still do this. Mm-hmm. I would. Um, it's it's still it's still enjoyable. And so I'm humbled the fact that people were listening. So last time we opened the door to a study through uh, the book of Revelation. And uh, Brother Wiley is kind of spearheading this study, walking us through some great truths um, now he will be the first to tell you, I will also tell you, and brother Chad will also tell you, we're never going to approach the Bible arrogantly thinking that we know everything in here. No. Um, especially even something like the book of revelation. So we're walking through things and we're discussing them. And, um, so thank you for listening and hope you'll enjoy today as well as we get into 
the next subject matter still in the book of Revelation. So Brother Wiley, take it away. Well, last time, just to recap, just for a moment, we uh, just gave a basic overview of the book. We just took I can't remember what it was, five minutes, and just walked through uh, the book itself, uh, giving an overview of it. And then we really settled into uh, chapter number one, of course, and um, trying to establish the timing of the book, and not the timing as to when John penned it, but what is the time of the events given to us in the book of Revelation? Should we be looking for these things now? Because as you know, every time there's an earthquake somewhere, every time there's a famine somewhere, every time there's, um, you know, people are saying, oh, this is what the Word of God predicted, that these things would be, and boy, it could be at any time, any moment, which it can be. I'm not denying that the Lord Jesus Christ could come for His church at any time. I'm not denying that. Um, But... I do believe that the book of Revelation is an overview of the day of the Lord, the Lord's day. The timing of the book I derive from verse 10 of chapter 1. Um, There's two things there that are said. We talked about them in the last episode, so if you missed it, just go back and uh, listen to episode 1. And number one is the fact that the Bible says, where John says, I was in the Spirit. I was in the Spirit, which I was always raised to believe, well, that just meant I was just, (laughs) you know, having me a time. Boy, heaven came down and glory filled my soul, you know, whatever it is. (laughs) The Lord showed up. (laughs) And it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, I've always been taught, or I guess I've never had somebody teach it. It's just you hear it all the time, that Sunday is the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day is when we gather together as a body of believers. Well, no, the Bible calls that the first day of the week. Mm. In fact, um, to my knowledge, this is the only time in the Bible where the term Lord's Day is given. Now, the day of the Lord appears many times, and that, of course, refers to his kingdom, um, his reign upon the earth. And I believe that's what it means here in verse number 10. It is not saying that Jesus appeared to John on Sunday. That is not what verse number 10 is saying. Um, I believe that John is, is in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he is given a vision, he is given an overview of the Lord's day, and he is commanded to write it down, he is commanded to give it unto the churches. And so the timing of the events right off the bat, in verse number 10, I believe the book of Revelation is about the Lord's day Hmm. uh, because of that verse. That is, there are different passages of scripture that sets the time frame for us. For instance, Isaiah chapter number six says, uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. Well, it's giving us a time when that took place. In the book of Hebrews chapter two and verse five, it says, the world to come whereof we speak. So we see very clearly that after Hebrews 2, six, it's setting the time frame for the events that are recorded. So I believe in Revelation 1.10, it is setting the time frame for the events that are recorded for us in the book of Revelation. Any other comment on that before we move forward? All right. 
I'm just waiting to see if Chaz is going to say something. He has not said nothing yet. this entire not episode. Yet. I'm, I, I just am like listening. it. He's smiling. I know. Right? I'm listening. <laughs> I'm listening. Because if just... you know, because if you know Chad, if you've ever seen those <laughs> pictures where there's nine different pictures of the same thing and it says happy, joyful, mad, angry, um, it will be of Chad just kind of holding his beard. Yep. Uh, Eyebrows down. Yeah. My boys uh, play basketball. Chad's the coach. Yes. And my son's. All, they just joke and they say, well, we don't know whether whether Coach, coach is, is happy or with us or not. Because <laughs> he always looks the same. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> when Isaiah Lehman scored that, we yes. have it on video. Wow. Chad actually threw his arms up and he jumped up in the air. That's the most... You jumped? I was excited. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he jumped. Wow. We have, we have the, I want video the video at home. Oh. Yes. Yep. Yes. I got like three inches off the ground. <laughs> Anyway, I shouldn't pick on my... No, it is because I'm making sure I listen and hear everything that you're saying so that when we dig in... I have a gentleman in my church that's a lot like that, so I honestly think every time I'm preaching, he's mad at me. Ugh, I'm not mad. No, I'm not you, listening. but but you know what I mean. But right, he, he, right, he does, right. he just, he's, and he'll tell me. He's like, I'm just intently listening. So I have this this scowl almost, but it's not a scowl. He's right. just, he's focused. But the whole time I'm preaching, I'm going, all right, that guy does not like what I'm saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> then afterwards, okay, great message. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, the next thing just to, would be a nice little topic of discussion is the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is his countenance, the way he appears. Um, and... The book of 1 John tells us that we shall be like him, for we shall see him. You know, I was just, we had a couple deaths in our church last week, and so um, I was asked by some um, some folks, you know, basically questions on what are we going to look like, mm-hmm. um, how will we know each other? For instance, we had a family in our church that unfortunately had a baby that was stillborn. And so the baby was born and it died Mm. and just incredibly traumatic for the family. Well, we believe to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. So their question was, you know, how will we know who this baby is? Will they know us? And I said, yes. I said, because I just believe God gives us knowledge. Yeah divine knowledge. I, I also said our minds are corrupt, corrupted minds. We'll have incorrupted minds. I said, I do believe that your baby is in its mature state. And um, so you don't have a little baby crawling around in heaven that God creates things in its mature state. And so, um, but also you'll know who he is and he'll know who you are. And but then I get asked questions, well, what will we look like? What, what are we going to look like? And I, I just feel like the best the best example we have would be Revelation 1, because we have a description. You know, Christ is visibly seen just a handful of times after his ascension. Mm-hmm. The first is by Stephen and his stoning, where there's not really a description He's the son of man, which I believe there's a reason why Stephen saw the son of man and not the son of God, even though they're the same. And again, that's a different time because I don't want to, I want to stay on track. Paul, 
saw the resurrected Christ after his ascension. He saw light, is all that he saw. So the best description of Christ after the ascension that we have is Revelation chapter 1. And can I add something really quick? There is no description of Christ when he first came. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Bethlehem. Like, like, Mm -hmm. Like you would think, you know, here we have an awesome description. It's also, you can compare it to Revelation 19 and, you know, you go back and forth. But the first time he came, or it's a Catholic word, but I can use the word advent in his first advent, um, there's no description of him. The only thing we get, I mean, Isaiah 53, 53 says, would tell you what he wasn't. No form nor comeliness that we should desire him. Right. We know based on, by inferring, you know, they plucked his beard. Therefore, he had to have had a beard. Right. But you get what I'm saying? It's like, you don't get any description. We get him. from Isaiah 53 that he was an ordinary, common and Jewish man. And go back to the, the betrayal. Here are men that are actively trying to get not not just that night. They wanted him for days, right. weeks, months, years, and then when it, when it's finally time to arrest them, they had to ask Judas, "Which one is he?" He said, "The one I kiss." You know what I mean? Right. He like, wasn't he wasn't uh, a tanned blonde. No, it, oh. he didn't stand out that everybody knew that's the guy we're going to get. They right. had to ask Judas which one he was, and they knew they they've seen him perform miracles, they've seen him do these things, yet they still had to ask him which one is he. So I just think that's interesting. The first time he came, no description. Mm-hmm. Yet now we have completely de- one. I heard a commentator: one is lamb, one is lion. You know what I mean? So, uh, but anyway, I just wanted to add that. Yeah, but you here can- we have a description um, that now that doesn't. I I don't believe that necessarily means that. Okay, we're all going to look exactly like this. We're all going to have hair white as wool. Mm. We're all going to have eyes that are a flame of fire. Um, We are going to be conformed to his image, Mm. according to Romans chapter 8. So I, I just believe this gives us the best description, which I believe is Eden restored. Hmm. You can see from Genesis 1 and 2, there's something physically about their physical image that changed. Mm -hmm. In chapter 2, they're naked and not ashamed. In chapter 3, they're naked and ashamed. Mm -hmm. Something physically happened. They knew we have to physically do something to cover our physical appearance. So something changed. Well, and they're covering their physical appearance because their physical appearance was indicative that they had disobeyed. Yes. Right. So they're trying that there was evidence of their disobedience. Right. Something and their happened. Physical appearance. Something happened and God's gonna know yeah. that something happened. Yeah. Yeah. So the first I'd just like to mention, and that's uh, as we get in Revelation, is this description of the Lord Jesus. Hmm. And again, this is the best description that I believe we have again after his ascension. We have another description when he comes back in chapter 19, yes. which is different than this, um, in that he is covered with blood in Revelation 19. But, but both are different than the first one. Correct. What, what, I guess for me, too, because you'll hear this, you know, oh, I died and went to heaven and Jesus talked to me. But they didn't have, 
were they if they were to describe Jesus to you that they their their vision, which I believe it was just their mind playing tricks, they never described this. Right. You know what I mean? They never described Revelation one, which is what we're gonna see. They don't describe they, they their imagery or their their vision is that romanticized image that we all have that we've all seen. If you just Google Jesus and hit image, you're gonna you know what I mean? Right. So that's what they saw, which is not Jesus. Right. So you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I think there's uh we just I just preached this past week on whom do men say that I am, mm-hmm. I the Son of Man am, right? And, um, and the title was the real Jesus, yeah, the real Christ, the yeah. real Christ. Yeah, the reason I know that because that was on a text. Thread. Sure, <laughs> but you know what? What this this here's where my mind's going as you're going to work through this description of him. How much idolatry there is that is tied to the image of Christ, images of Christ at his first coming. Yes. But there is very, I don't know of any, any body worshiping an image that looks like this. That's right. Which is fast. It's just, just it's an observation. It's not on any stained glass. Right, just an observation. It's not, you know... There's a lot of focus on the human... Side. You know, the, the human Jesus, but not... The, the humanity side. And I, part of me, my, my brain just wanders like, huh, why is that? Why is there such a – will there be an, an antichrist in the future that will have no form nor comeliness kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Just, I just wonder. Which, it, going back to yours, um, I don't want to get ahead of you, but verse 13 begins with son of man. Yeah. You know what I mean? So There's no mistake in who this is. No, yeah. but what I'm getting to is that's the human name, Right. And but look at this description, not very how you and I would look at a human. Well, he's fully God, fully man, still. Yes. So well, well, I believe again the reason why Son of Man, the reason why in Acts seven why Stephen saw the Son of Man specifically says Son of Man mm-hmm. that before the kingdom can come, they must believe on Christ. Yes. They must believe on the Son of Man. Before the kingdom of heaven. Bef- right. Before the kingdom of heaven is going to come, they must believe. And which, it's the same here in Revelation as well. Which is why they in Zechariah, they look upon him whom they have pierced. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't pierce God, but it's, the, it's the, the human Son of Man. Remember Matthew 6.33, one, I, I like to say, one ushers in the other. Right. Meaning Seek ye first. the kingdom of God yes. ushers in the kingdom of heaven. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, all these things shall be mm. added unto you. Mm. Uh, and you look at the things, every verse leading up to verse 33 are all physical things. Mm-hmm. Your raiment, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, it's all physical things. A physical but then he kingdom. mentions the kingdom of God, which according to Romans 14... Verse 17, I think it is, it says, for the kingdom of God is not, not meat or meat drink, drink. Yeah. but righteousness and... Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, so I just thought I'd point out the physical manifestation here of the Lord mm-hmm. Jesus Christ in that I believe it's got the best description of what we're going to look like. Hmm. You know, um, what I like to say is the first thing, you know, when I... Uh, when it 
talks about his physical, it talks about his clothing in verse 13, but the first thing it mentions in verse 14 is his hair. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to have hair because I'm, I'm losing my hair. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to have hair in eternity. Maybe I'll have my thick locks back again. That will be so nice. And, uh, but it mentions- Well, see, I'm already getting ready for eternity. Mine's going white. So that's, right? I'm just... Well, at least you can color white hair. <laughs> you can't color no hair. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. I don't know. I've seen some eyebrows. <laughs> but I just, it gives us an idea. Okay. It mentions his hair, his eyes, his foot, his feet. It mentions his hands. Hmm. So yeah. we're not going to be some Star Trek creature in heaven. We're going to be, um, you know, there's a difference between the word conform and transform. The word con- conform means to come into likeness with, where the word transform means to literally become something different mm-hmm. that you're not. That's why, you know, conform, transform, you know, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed mm-hmm. by the renewing of your mind. And so we're going to be conformed into his image. And I believe that this gives us an idea what his image and his likeness hmm. are. And that is in this chapter. I don't know how much more I would want to talk about that. I just want to point that out because a, a lot of people do ask me, what are we going to, what is our you know, you, likeness you going to be? Um, Mountain of Transfiguration. Peter, James, John, you know, none of them had Kodak. They didn't have iPhones. Yeah, how did they know? It was how did Elijah? they know it was Elijah and Moses? You know what I mean? They so, must have been given knowledge. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. There wasn't okay. Well, God told them. Okay, we could we could do that, mm-hmm. but um, nowhere in those in those accounts do we have. Peter, what are you smiling? I at? just said in my mind I had high into the right <laughs> stickers that said Hi, Hello, my name is Moses. Hello, my name is Moses. <laughs> when I worked in sorry. When I worked in sales, they would always say How can I help you? <laughs> put your name tag on the right, right side. Right side. Uh-huh. Because when you shake hands, it push it sure. naturally pushes it toward brings you high into the high right. High into the right. Hello, Moses my name is Elijah show up. <laughs> Hi, my name is I can help you in all departments. Yeah. I just, you know. Saul, okay, Saul goes and visit, visits the witch in Endor, um, and Samuel shows up. And well, he, he requests Samuel. Yes, but he knows who that is. Mm-hmm. Does he, I don't remember. Does he see him or just hear a voice? I don't remember. I don't know. She sees him and screams. Right. But I don't remember if Saul sees him. But let's, I'm just using this. He knows who he is. You know what I mean? Because Mo- he's seen him in the, in the, in the, in the flesh. In the flesh. Peter, James, and John never saw Moses and Elijah. Right. Ever. But they knew who they were. So, again, I... I mean, they're separated I don't believe by there's, over a millennium. God's not... The Bible says God's not the author of confusion. We're not up in heaven going around, who's everybody? Right. You know what I mean? We're, so, just, we're given knowledge, okay. I believe. But even if they didn't know who they were when they were moved by the Holy Ghost to write... Yeah. Then they knew. Then they knew. That's a good point. No, they think, didn't, didn't they say they'll Peter let us, says, I want to build three build tabernacles. He wants to build tabernacles. three tabernacles. Yeah. So they knew then they had to have. Yeah. One for the Because I believe I I believe theologically that's a reference to the Feast of Tabernacles, because Moses and Elijah are the two witnesses, and I believe that's what is happening. Peter's going, Oh, it's time to do it. Isn't that? And that's not it yet. Um but 
I digress. I just I we just are digressing. It's... We're in Revelation, right? I know, but we're yeah. talking about we're talking about we're looks. talking about likeness. What we're going to look like? Yeah, because that's you know it gives a you know because if you think all this description isn't necessary, so to speak. Yeah, um, but you think if they're looking for their Messiah. Right in the very beginning of the book, they're given a description of whom to look for. Truth. For whom to, for whom to look. Sorry, for, I ended in a for, preposition. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, we're told, and we know, or you hear the you know, glorified body. And you hear that often, or whether I do anyway, I question, well, what does that look like? Are we going to still look the same? Are our features going to be the same? You know, I'm, we always go, hey, man, I ain't wearing glasses anymore. My eyes are right. And I get that. But, you know, people have closer set eyes versus wider set eyes. People have bigger noses, smaller noses. You know what I mean? So, Well, if you see depictions on things, it's just like a, you know, a glow, a shining light yeah. or something. Now, granted, um, those that are in heaven now, before the resurrection of the body, mm. what do they look like? I don't know. I, I, the Bible doesn't really give a description. I don't think of like what people in heaven look like right now, mm. because their body is still here on earth. Their physical likeness is still upon the earth. But they, I mean, Lazarus says, I mean, oh, sorry, the rich man says, Lazarus, that he may dip his finger in water. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So No, they're not in heaven, so to speak, yet. Right, they're in but, paradise. But they're both dead. Their bodies Correct. were buried. Correct. So but Lazarus has a finger. You know what I mean? Tongue. Has a tongue. Rich man mentions this tongue. So we know there's still tangible, literal, yet it's not in the physical, it's in the spiritual. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, those this, there is a soul body. Yeah. Right? There is a soul body. Be- because, <laughs> I mean, like, your best evidence is the fact that that Christ is, his body is in the tomb, and yet at the same time he said that he would spend three days and three nights in the heart, in of, the the heart of the earth. Okay, well, the heart of the earth is not a tomb on the surface of the earth. The heart of the earth is the heart of the earth. That's right. Um, and for him to preach there and to lead captivity captive, you know, there is a soul body. body. What material... It's tough because we are... We live in such a strict materialist age and not materialist like we want all, everything, but materialist that we struggle to comprehend beyond our five senses. And we, Ooh, that's good. And we want yeah. to take, we want to take, we want to assign the soul spirit realm the same properties that we assign to the physical realm that we live in. Can I back that up with what we just read in Revelation? Would that be also part of like and as? Sure. Okay, we're, explain. We're, we're trying going. to use our physical five senses to interpret to interpret what I'm looking at. Right. He says his eyes were as a flame of fire. Mm-hmm. His head and feet uh, alike unto fine brass. Um, you see what I'm saying? Right. And these are all based on our sense of sight. Yes. You know and. So you get my sure. clearly yeah. this is uh, uh, is it metaphor no simile whoa yeah, I don't careful. remember simile careful. simile <laughs> so well it starts right <laughs> off with one voice as of a trumpet as of so does right. that mean that his voice was no what is a trumpet you know no one plays a trumpet as a lullaby hmm 
It's sure. not that kind of instrument. You're not mm-hmm. putting your kid to it's sleep. It's a with Trump. commanding, yes. authoritative instrument. You can't. It's it's like you don't play the bagpipes for a lullaby. You can't play the bagpipes softly. Mm. And it's the same with a trumpet. I know they have little things where they can mute it and all that, but still, nobody thinks of, you know, when you think of a trumpet, you think of attention-grabbing... Um, announcement. Announcement. I always, my mind always goes to war. Right. You know, there's, there's, there's something. Correct. Yeah. Um, so I just thought it'd be good just to... To mention that, that his description is given to us. Do we need to, I mean, is there any value, and maybe you haven't even, maybe you have studied this out, but the fact that we're given the color of his hair. Yeah, should we unpack um, this description a little bit? You know, when I think of white hair, Proverbs speaks of white hair as indicative of wisdom. Yeah. Right. I don't know if that's the what hoary head. Right. Right. Why do you guys keep gesturing to me when you, I just, I'm just kidding. You, you, <laughs> you're the guy. You have it. White. You have it. You're I got one. If any man lack wisdom, right there. Let him ask of Josh, <laughs> who has all kinds that's of white hair. That's not what it says. <laughs> What's funny is I'm just starting to get gray. Yeah. Just. But my beard, if I grew it out, it's is just a lot of gray. I went to the barber shop at in college in Pensacola, and the guy was cutting my hair and said. Wow, college must be really stressful, huh? I said, sure, yeah, whatever. He's, I said, why do you ask? He goes, well, because I'm cutting some gray hair. I mean, I was... Cutting some gray hair. Yeah, I was 20. Yep. So... Were you dating Desk at the time? I this was. goes back to the death thing, or...? <laughs> so his eyes... Because you didn't listen to the last episode. <laughs> right. So his eyes were as a flame of fire. I personally am, am looking at verse 13. Clothed with a garment to the foot. You know, every word matters. Well, mm-hmm. we know that we will be clothed with robes of righteousness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but it which, mentions it goes is, all the way to the foot. Sure. So. Sure. I just, I, 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 I'm not saying I have an What is answer. the golden girdle? Again, I'm not saying I have an answer. I just think it's. Brother Wiley? There, there, there are specifics here. I mean, it is specific. Right. So. I, I don't know if there's meaning behind every I know. It's just I just sometimes the word of God just states what it is. I like to have fun. Sure. Yeah. So head and hair is white like wool, white as snow. Golden girdle is worn around um like the chest. Mm-hmm. Um the high you know the high priest wore Urim and Thummim. Mm-hmm. So the sign of Wasn't that what the Paps is of priest. Right. So about so. the it may be indicative of him being um the high priest. You know, mm. as well, our great mm. high priest, wisdom, white like wool, mm-hmm. his I know. eyes as a flame of fire. Fire is judgment. Just like brass in verse 15. Yeah, well, Brad, tell me about brass. Brass is um, often, actually every time in the Old Testament, that's why the altar was brass, mm-hmm. um, where judgment was, where the fire was. Mm-hmm. Um, brass is the, uh, that's why it says, as if they burned in a furnace, that that. Is the imagery of, of sure. judgment, and when his feet his feet are trodden are upon the earth. Yep, he's gonna he's gonna tread fear. the winepress and fierceness and wrath of God. Yep. So, and the voice, his voice also is the sound of many waters. There's there's not going to be a set of ears that will not hear his right. voice. Mm. When you think of many yep. waters, you think of deafening. Yeah, like yep. you well, just went to Niagara I just, Falls. I just went. Yeah, just went to Niagara Falls. I've never Falls, been, and so. you have to speak loudly. I mean, you can be. I can be. You know. 
two feet from you, but I, I mean, I'm, I always speak loud anyway, but I, you have to raise your voice because of the sound of mm-hmm. many waters. He will be seen. He will be heard. Yeah. Yeah. He will be felt. Mm. He'll be felt. It yes. says in it, his feet. Um, in verse 17, and he laid his right hand upon me. Mm. So there's, there's a physical tangibleness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and I, and I believe, uh, you know, the significance of the right hand. Oh, yes. In the scriptures is it's the hand of authority, of power. Mm-hmm. Um, it's used in Exodus 15 when uh, the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. Afterwards, when they sang the song at the banks, I think it's verse six, they make a reference to with, with his right hand, mm-hmm. he hath done this. Mm-hmm. So you will see this right hand often. For mm-hmm. instance, the seven-sealed scroll is given with the right hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the hand of authority. The word, um, the name Benjamin means son of my right hand. It's a reference to... Even though what's funny is, is the Bible talks about the Benjamites, many of them being left-handed, exactly. oh, that is who ironic. were good with the sling. Yeah. Exactly. I find that interesting. So in his right hand are seven stars. That's the next 16. topic of discussion. Yeah, dive in. Yes. So the first thing we were just talking about was the appearance, the physical appearance of the mm-hmm. Lord Jesus Christ. Next would be this reference to these stars. Um, now, these seven stars, I've always been taught, were the pastors of these seven churches because... Well, yeah, I'm A sorry. star is an angel. Because it says here. that in verse 20. Right. So... And angels mean messenger, and who's the messenger to the churches, but it's got to be the pastor of these seven churches. Because we see in verse number four, John to the seven churches, which are in Asia. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then it lists those seven churches in verse 11. Yes. Of chapter one. And then a specific letter is written to each Mm -hmm. in chapters two and three. And it says, I mean, I, I guess we're looking at the why the white hair and the brass and, well, seven stars, seven candlesticks. We're not just pulling this out of our hat trying to figure right. it. It says it in verse 20. Right. Okay. The, the mystery says, is revealed in that's verse right. 20. The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are... The angels of the seven churches. Mm-hmm. Okay, so again, the only explanation I've ever heard is it's the pastors of these seven churches, and it's based on the well. The word angel means messenger. Means messenger. But, okay, but there again, interpreting scripture, scripture. Israel has an angel. Yes. Right. Yes. Michael is Israel's, Israel's angel. angel. So I'm here to say these seven angels. Are seven angels. Amen. Wow. 100%. That's pretty, thank that's you. It's pretty deep. I know. Mm. <laughs> now. Well, you know what we're doing? We're reading the Bible for what it says, not for what it means. You know what I mean? Now, so, question. Does that mean that Churchill Baptist has an angel? Does that mean that South Liberty Baptist Church has an angel? Does and, that mean. And are we touched by an angel? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Here's man, another. Truth Baptist Church has an angel. It's dust. Okay. Is who? Truth Baptist Church is tough. Oh boy, he's trying to he's trying to gain <laughs> trying back. To build back on what? <laughs> See, she already stopped listening. Uh, she unsubscribed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's gonna miss this one. <laughs> um, this is another reason why, in chapter number one, I believe 
that John's vision is already about the day of the Lord. Mm. I believe these are going to be... These are seven churches that existed at the writing, Mm -hmm. but I believe that... Because you'll notice in verse number four, to whom it is written, it says, John, to the seven churches which are... Of course. Not which shall be. That's right. Yep. But I... These angels that are mentioned... I believe chapters two and three, these are churches during the tribulation period that Mm. are functioning as churches, and each one has an angel that is protecting it. Um, And perhaps, I don't know whether that's this episode or episode three. We're only like, I want to dig at this while while the iron's hot. So I, I would love to hear the... Your understanding of it, because okay, so can I think I know what you're going to say? Conventional, yeah. conventional. What are the conventional? Let's thought? do conventional. There's two conventional thoughts. Right. Let's do conventional. One is just simply these are seven letters written to seven churches, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. That's all that they are. Yep. And They're, each church is different. This church is right. this way. They left their first love. Let's not be mm-hmm. like Ephesus. Or, right. You know what I mean? Then there's the th- then. Two would be these are seven literal letters written to seven literal churches. And? Which also has a prophetic that these 2,000 years have been divided into seven periods of time. A church age. Right. Which is, I think, the, 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 the largest. Probably so. Acceptable. Right. Approach, yeah, to, in dispensational yeah. theology, you know, you know, Ephesus, the first century church, amen. Mm-hmm. You know, and Smyrna, that's the persecuted church, and they right. went through the ten Roman emperors, and sure, and and Constantine comes along, which was Pergamus, because Pergamus means married, which is when he married Rome pagan, yep, with and that uh, is, Artis is the suffering, but that's the... based upon an interpretation of Revelation one nineteen. Yes, these are the things which shall be, and, and then you'll hear often hereafter. because the last church is Laodicea, and how many times have we heard laymen living in this Laodicean time? Why do we say that? Because we believe in the seven periods of church age, and we're in the seventh, which is the Laodicean. Now, I'm going to state plainly that's where I'm at. Me too. Right. Uh, so I Laodicea hear... means of the people. We are, sure. we are living in, I mean, is that not our nation? A government of the people, by the people, for the people. And that American is, okay, Americanism has crept into the church. Sure. And it's not just our nation. It is the gospel that our nation by and large is propagating throughout the earth. Yes. Okay. So so I know that we all support missionaries that are going to preach the gospel and are doing so uh, in ser- in sincerity and in truth and according to the word of God. But there is are also, you know, missionaries mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, who are preaching a prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. They are transformed as ministers of light. Or social gospel. But they're false apostles. Social gospel, prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the characteristics of the Laodicean church age, by and large, that is representative, it seems, of, of this vanilla Christianity which exists in the world today. Lukewarm. Yes. You hear the term, well, we need to be well balanced. Yeah, lukewarm's a better word than vanilla. It, well, that's the... <laughs> but, you know, but that's it. We need to be well balanced. Yeah. You know, what that's... The biblical word for that is lukewarm. I don't... Mm-hmm. Christ so, doesn't want us to be well balanced. He wants us to be cold or hot. Right. So here's 
here's where I, I would love to hear how it is because there's several things that pop into my mind right off the bat. So I want to hear how it is the defense of them being churches in the tribulation. Can can I just say something very fast? Maybe maybe I'm getting ahead of you. Can it be all three? You would have to have a prior example of a triple. We have dual fulfillment. Yes, but you'd have to me. You'd have to have a prior example of a triple fulfillment in okay. order for that to okay. for that to to build on to build. Yeah, of course, on. yeah, yeah. Not opposed, but I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I just that's why I asked. Sure. So. My major premise is when you read each letter, there are strict Jewish references in each letter. I agree to that. Yes, there are phrases used in each letter that are not used in any of the epistles, which is talking about the New Testament church. Um, so if you look at each letter, you see phrases that are strictly, just strictly Jewish hmm. in nature. So if it is for the church age, what is the purpose of these Jewish references for, for okay, um, in every letter, it uses the phrase, to him who overcometh. Mm -hmm. What does the church have to overcome? Mm. That understanding of the church overcoming, it's not used in any of the epistles. Mm -hmm. Never in any of the epistles does it say the church has to overcome anything. Every single letter begins with, I know thy works, hmm. which according to the book of Hebrews, that's what the Jews have to do during the tribulation. They have to labor and work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, for instance, um, chapter 2, 2, I know thy works. Um, verse 9. I know thy works. Verse 13, I know thy works. Verse 19, I know thy works. Hmm. I believe it's in every one. I know thy works. I know thy works. I know thy works. Even in Laodicea, verse 15, chapter 3, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. Um, it does. It's all, all seven. All yep. seven of them say, I mm -hmm. know thy works. Also, all seven of them, I believe, uses some form of to him that overcometh, mm -hmm. chapter 2, verse 7, verse 11, verse um, 17, 17 um, it's usually verse at the 26. end, 20, you know, I believe all seven do. Chapter 3, verse 5, five 3, um, verse uh, 12. Am I allowed, can I push? And 3, 21. Sure. All so right. There's all so... Titus and Timothy are pastors. Timothy is was the pastor of the church at Ephesus for a time. Probably not the writing at this point, but maybe I don't know. Tim Timotheus, Timothy. Yeah, I'm trying. He died when he was in his 80s, 81. He was okay. dragged by a horse okay. at Ephesus. So he. This is interesting because that's Josephus. That's sure. not. Sure, that's, sure, that's sure. extra biblical. Um, in his 80s or 80 AD. He was 81. He was in his 80s. Okay, that's. According to tradition, yes, yeah, that's but Josephus. Yeah. Paul writing to Timothy and Titus, um, the phrase "good works" is is used quite a bit. 
Um, the man of God is to be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Titus is to instruct, he's to show himself a pattern of good works. Titus 2.14, we're redeemed um, and purified unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Titus 3.1, be ready to every good work. So, I mean, there is given to these pastors, Timothy and Titus, you need to teach people that they need to be careful to maintain good works. See you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. what are you driving at when the Lord says to the angels, because he says it to the angels, who then are to communicate it to the churches? Now, that's an interesting thought because that's different, okay? If you look up the word angel in the, the different epistles, as far as like during the church age. Well, we don't have angels communicating yes. to us yes, at this Yes, that's, that's what I was going to say, yeah. Right. But angels have, for instance, in the book of Hebrews, which is a book of comparisons, mm-hmm. specifically written to Hebrews, um, starting immediately in verse four, he goes then on for chapter and a half about how God used the angels to communicate with the Hebrews. Yes. Um, huh. That I can see, because that is different. That is different. So the overcometh, I always connected that to John, First John. It's where the, we get the song, Faith is the Victory that Overcomes the World. Okay. And it mentions faith. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Listen to the first letter. This is to Ephesus. Um, verse 5. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. That word fallen is, and repent... And do the first works. And do the first works. Is that what we preach? Is that what we preach today? Um, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. If Compare we Compare that with... Hmm, hold on. Which would... Oh, go ahead and I'll let you do yours first. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Oh, that you're in Hebrews Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4.11. Okay. Which is specifically talking about the world to come. Yes, that's the rest. Right. Um, When I... And I'm just using examples which I believe that are strictly Jewish. Um, I believe Revelation 2.5 is an example of repentance that we do not preach today. I don't believe it's for us today. Um, What does that mean? From whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick. Well, they have fallen from their first love, verse 4. Mm-hmm. Right, because that is the basis that he has somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Mm-hmm. Remember, therefore, from whence. See, whence is also a location. Whence. He doesn't say what. Remember, therefore, from what thou art fallen, but whence, a place thou art fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, you know, love. Again, I'm looking at this with trying to put on your glasses for the first time. Sure, sure. The elephant in the room, I mean, you, I'm sure you've already, you, there's an answer, but that 
what this then means is that Revelation 4, 1 is not, um, it's not the rapture, right? Can't be the rapture. Well, what's, what's difficult is, again, this isn't something that we talked about in our overview, is the majority opinion of the book of Revelation is that it's a linear line, and it isn't. It's not a linear line. And what I mean by that, in case you don't understand what I mean, is it is the it is the common belief, I guess I could use the word common belief, that the events of chapter three happen after the events of chapter two. The events of chapter four happen after three. That I just look at it that fifteen a, happens after fourteen. As a continual okay. line of events. Okay. Um, and then we try to fit everything in how that there's a line of events. Well, it's impossible. It's, it's, it's impossible that that is the case, specifically because of chapter six is a prime example. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Well, chapter 12 also, right? Well, chapter yeah. six, yes. chapter six is the coming of Christ. So Christ, if, if revelation is a linear line, Christ returns to the earth in verses 13 and 14 of chapter six. Mm -hmm. Those are the signs, Christ's own words, the book of Isaiah, those are the signs of the physical return of Christ to the earth. Mm -hmm. So if this is a linear line, Christ returns in verses 13 and 14. Mm -hmm. So then what do I do with the rest of the book? Christ is already upon the earth. He's already come back, mm-hmm. and that's those are the established signs. Joel two, uh, Acts two, the, of Christ's return. Matthew twenty four. Jesus Himself gave the signs of His coming, and He gives these signs that are given in Revelation six. And so, um, okay, so two and three would be during the tribulation. Well, he is Four, writing. Five, you know what I mean? He is writing unto existing churches. Yes, verse four. Yes, but those existing but, churches are located not in Israel. They're right, located, they're located in those out. areas. So, will those seven? Okay, so those seven Remember, churches. During the tribulation, the Jews are still all over the earth. He doesn't gather them until the end. Yes. He doesn't gather yes. them until the end of the tribulation where he brings them all back to the land. Mm. So um, so they're still, because remember that's... So can I get real particular? Sure. Is the ch- these seven churches that he's writing to, are these the seven churches? Are, is, is, if we're going to place a time mm-hmm. within the time of Jacob's trouble, there is, we know, after the abomination of desolation... There is great tribulation that follows. Correct. Right? So would you place because because at that time Christ's counsel to anybody who's in Jerusalem is get out. Get out. Yeah. So are these in your mind maybe in the last three and a half years is what all, you're right, saying? Right, right. Remember church I mean when you when we think of church, we think of deacons, we think of taking up an offering, we think of Remember the word church is a called out assembly. Sure. A, 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 an assembly of believers. Acts 7, P, uh, Stephen calls Israel the church in the wilderness. Right. Which is that prophetic? I know. Is that only looking backward? See, that's I where I was going to get to. The first, you know, 
Stephen is giving the not just the history of the nation mm. of Israel, but I believe he is also giving their their future, future. as well. Mm. And um, isn't Revelation twelve a church in the wilderness? Call out assembly. They're carried with eagle's wings into the wilderness where God takes care of them and nourishes them. At the rock, Deuteronomy 32. So then I have a question. All right, let's, let's just say we're, we're following this line of thinking. How the church of Laodicea is not a church, is, is, is not a church that's persecuted. It's a church that is rich, increased with goods, has need of nothing, right? That's not a persecuted church. Hmm. That's a church that is... Like Smyrna. Right. It's existing because of its lavish life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It thinks it has need of nothing, Mm -hmm. which how do you square that with with the great tribulation, right? How do you square that? Well, as I'm sitting here, I don't have all the answers. Sure. What I am believing I, I now is against, <laughs> is against everything that I've ever been taught. Or mm-hmm. I'm just coming. I'm just coming to this premise as a Bible believer. I'm just believing what the Bible says. That there are these churches, which is oh, I'm sorry, where an angel speaks unto them, <sighs> right? Which is the why angel delivers this message unto them, and right off the bat. Revelation 2, verse 5, I believe, violates Galatians 1 and verse 9, is it? Um, Where he says, if you are an angel from heaven, preaches any other gospel, Mm -hmm, let mm -hmm. him be accursed. Well, Revelation 2, 5 is not the gospel that I believe that is preached in this age. Thank you very much for listening today. Um, This episode has gone pretty lengthy, so we're going to actually separate it and uh, we're going to stop it here. But hopefully, uh, as you subscribe and listen, we'll pick up right back up next time here at Backwoods Theology.